It's good to connect again together. And our theme for this year as a church is health matters, well-being. And when we open ourselves up to God and the touch of heaven can bring well-being into our lives. I'm going to share a few thoughts from a story which has been in our readings recently. We're reading as a church the book of 1 Samuel through this month of August. And actually I'm going to share some thoughts from chapter 30, which is actually tomorrow's reading. But the, uh, the background or the groundwork for that is in today's reading in 1 Samuel chapter 29. David has realized that Saul, who's the king of Israel, is out to get him, wants to kill him, is looking for him, searching for him so that he can kill him. Through no fault of David's at all, but Saul has become jealous of, of David and who he is and what he's accomplished and what people are saying about him. And God has anointed him as the next king. And Saul is filled with rage and jealousy and he wants to kill David, though David has done nothing wrong. So David's mindset is, I'm going to go and live in the Philistine territory because they're the arch enemies of Israel and that's the place that Saul is not going to come looking for me in. So David and 600 of his followers go and living in a place called Ziklag in the territory of the Philistines and David and his men are serving loyally King Achish who is there. But then problem arises. The Philistines want to go to war, a battle with Israel and the commanders are saying to King Achish that David can't come and fight for us though David's volunteering to, but he says he can't because he's, we know him and he'll be loyal to Israel and he'll go and turn against us in the battle. So we don't want David coming and fighting for us. So reluctantly, King Achish says to David, guys, you better go back home to Ziklag Take the journey back because you're not going to be allowed to fight against Israel. Basically, we know your heart, David, and you're loyal to Israel. So let's take up that story as David and his men go on this journey. And it's a long reading, which will give you hope for a short message at the end of it. David and his 600 followers are on this journey. And then we read in 1 Samuel 30 that three days later... When David and his men arrived home at the town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, Ahinoam from Jezreel, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to take talk of stoning him, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Then he said to Abiathar, the priest, bring me the ephod which was a way of connecting with God. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. 
you will surely recover everything that was taken from you. So David and his 600 men set out and they came to the brook Bezor. But 200 of the men were too exhausted to cross the brook. So David continued the pursuit with 400 men. Along the way, they found an Egyptian man in a field and brought him to David. They gave him some bread to eat and water to drink. They also gave him part of a fig cake and two clusters of raisins, for he hadn't had anything to eat for three days and nights. Before long, his strength returned. To whom do you belong and where do you come from? David asked him. I'm an Egyptian, the slave of an Amalekite. He replied, my master abandoned me three days ago because I was sick. We were on our way back from raiding the Kerithites in the Negev, the territory of Judah, and the land of Caleb, and we had just burned Ziklag. Will you lead me to this band of raiders? David asked the young man. Replied, if you take an oath in God's name that you will not kill me or give me back to my master, then I will guide you to them. So he led David to them, and he found the Amalekites spread out across the fields, eating and drinking and dancing with joy because of the vast amount of plunder they had taken from the Philistines and the land of Judah. David and his men rushed in among them and slaughtered them throughout the night and the entire next day until evening. None of the Amalekites escaped except 400 young men who fled in camels. David got back everything the Amalekites had taken, and he rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, small or great, son or daughter, nor anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. He also recovered all the flocks and herds, and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock. This plunder belongs to David, they said. Then David returned to the brook Bessau and met up with the 200 men who had been left behind because they were too exhausted to go with him. They went out to meet David and his men, and David greeted them joyfully. But some evil troublemakers among David's men said, they didn't go with us, so they can't have any of the plunder we recovered. Give them their wives and children, tell them to be gone. But David said, no, my brothers, don't be selfish with what the Lord has given us. He has kept us safe and helped us defeat the band of raiders that attacked us. Who will listen when you talk like this? We share and share alike. Those who go to the battle are those who guard the equipment. Now that was a long story, but we're ready just to get the whole picture of what happened here. But when we first see David, I can counter David here, he's just been rejected. He's been a place of rejection. He wanted to fight and be loyal to King Achish, but the commander says, no, we're rejecting you. You can't. Even though he'd done nothing wrong. In fact, King Achish should say this about him. As far as I'm concerned, David, you're as perfect as the angel of God. How would you like that as a reference in your going to a job? This is what my referee says about me. I'm as perfect as an angel of God. That's the highest standard. But oh, David, he's maybe biased. He's maybe just someone who thinks too much of you. Okay, David could have said, if you read 1 Samuel 13 and 14, you'll read this, that God says that I'm a man after his own heart. Okay, that's playing your trump card, David. Okay, how can you not get a job when you've got these type of references? David was a good man of good character. He'd done nothing wrong, but yet he was in a place of rejection. Have you ever been in a place of rejection? Through no fault of your own, you've kept yourself right. 
be maybe been rejected. It could be a job situation. It could be a relationship situation. It could be a church situation. It could be a ministry situation. It could be an appointment as a representative, a union, a student rep. It could be a university. There's so many examples where we've been rejected. For sporting teams, have you ever been a place through no fault of your own where you've been rejected? David was in a place of rejection. But you know, our theme for the year is well-being and health matters and our reactions can mean well-being. The way we react to things can bring well-being. And you know we've been focusing on celebration. This ends as a celebration, but there was a process to get to that celebration. But our reactions can give us well-being or not in our life. David, in a place of rejection, kept himself right. He didn't agree with what had happened but he kept himself right. And I want to encourage you today. You may have been in a place of rejection. Maybe you have been rejected from whatever situation, from whatever person or group. Maybe you've knowing or you've known rejection like David did here. But I want to tell you and encourage you today, no matter who has rejected you, there is a God who will not reject you. There is a God in heaven who will have arms wide open. He knows what it's like to be rejected. Gillian shared this verse last week, but this week we read in Isaiah 51 and 53 and 3 that Jesus was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. But today we want to tell you There is a God who knows what it's like to be rejected. But there's also a God who will embrace you no matter who has rejected you. That same Jesus who was despised and rejected said, I will never turn anyone away who comes to me. How great is that? God is a God who accepts those who society rejects. The disciples didn't want children to come to Jesus and Jesus says, Listen, I want to embrace those children. Let them come to me. The lepers were rejected, but Jesus says, I want to connect with the lepers. Mary, a woman with a bad reputation, was thought bad of, but Jesus says, I want to accept her and embrace her. I want to take her in. Zacchaeus, nobody likes you, but I want to connect with you. I want to accept you. I want to come into your house today. We want to tell you in your rejection. Don't react badly, but in your rejection, do what David did. And in rejection, he ran into the arms of a God who was embracing him and accepting him no matter who was rejecting him. David was in a place of rejection, but he reacted well and ran into the arms of God. And you can do the same. And you'll find a God who loves you with an everlasting love, who wants to embrace you and accept you no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter who has rejected you. He will accept you. David also came into a place of despair. He went from rejection to dejection. He trekked three days back home with his band of less than many men at this point to note that he'd been ransacked, he'd been broken into, he'd been robbed of everything. Everything valuable had gone, his family had been abducted, his town had been burned. And David and his men, it says, wept till they could weep no more. They cried their eyes out, you could say. This is a place in David's journey of life where it seems if anything that could go wrong 
would go wrong. It was if it just raining a little bit, it was pouring with rain. It didn't just rain, it poured. Everything was going wrong for David here. And even though David had received as much bad news as the rest, it was worse for him. Because it's true that when things go wrong and things are bad, human nature kicks in in a bad way and we always look for somebody to blame, someone to take a frustration and our anger out on, somebody to hit with, even if it's not their fault, and it's usually those who are closest to us, and that's what happened with David. It was so bad, we read, that David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. It's a bit disconcerting to say, it doesn't say that about losing their wives, it was only their sons and daughters, but that's maybe for another day. They began to talk about stoning David, the David who was the hero, the one they followed, the one they respected, the one they held in high esteem just a day ago. But now they talked about stoning him. How fickle human nature is when things go wrong. Jesus knew what it was like. The same people who cried Hosanna six days later were crying, crucify him. And here David and his group of men were in a place where the 600 were talking about stoning David. 600 against one wasn't really very good odds for David, no matter how great a warrior he was. He didn't have a bag big enough for 600 stones for his sling to kill them all, one after another. He wasn't in a good place. But again, David chose not to react badly in this place of despair and confusion. When everybody else is losing it, he went and read Rudyard Kipling's poem and said, if it if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it in you, and you're by man, my son. No, I'm just joking. David, in his dejection, in his despair, in his confusion, didn't run to Rudyard Kipling and his work. He ran to the Word of God. He ran to what God was saying. He knew that if God was for us, it doesn't matter if 600 are against us. If God is for us, it might be bad, but it's bad for me as well, as much as it is for you. But you know, but I've got a God whom I trust in, that even though my emotions are all over the place, even though I'm not sure what's going on, even though you're all against me, I know that God is for me. And if God's for me, it doesn't matter who is against me. And I'm going to go and find strength in the Lord. It's what we read. I'm going to find strength in God. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. I'm going to take courage in God. Because you know what? There's no one else I can go to. Peter echoed those words in the New Testament at one point when he says, where can we go to? You alone have the words that give eternal life. And David's in a place of discouragement, a place of confusion. He's not sure what is going on. But he knew that those who wait upon the Lord will renew and gain new strength. David could have said, I'm not really in a good place, but I'm still believing God is for me. I'm still believing that God's not finished with me. I'm still believing that God can bring good out of bad. And you know what? I'm going to hear what God says, because what God says is more important than what you 600 people are saying. And I want to encourage you for our well-being. When you're going through difficult 
times it's not good to go and listen to others and what they're saying. It's not good to draw away from God. It's not good to draw away from church. It's not good to draw away from the fellowship of God's people. When you're going through a difficult time, when you're in despair, when you're in confusion, when you don't know what's going on, when you're going through difficulty, it's so easy to run away and hide and come into our own little own space. But I want to encourage you, don't withdraw from God, don't withdraw from church, but gather together with the people who praise God, who can encourage you in the things of God. David says, I'm not accepting this is finished, and I'm going to connect with God. I'm not going to react emotionally or from a fleshly or rational way. I'm going to hear what God is saying in my confusion and my despair. So he went and he asked God, should I chase after the band of raiders? Should I stay or should I go? He could have said. And God says, you need to go because you're going to recover all. You know, one word from God can change everything. The 600 men who a moment or two ago were talking of stoning him when they heard the word from God started following him again. I hope you listened to our worship songs earlier. We sang this, just one word, you calm the storm that surrounds me. Just one word, the darkness has to retreat. Just one word, you heal what's broken inside me. Just one word, you revive every dream. In his rejection, he ran to the arms of God. In his despair and confusion, he ran to the word of God. And God can speak into your life. How often do you or I, mainly me, I would say, I hold my hands up, when problems surround me, can panic and make irrational decisions, emotional decisions, without praying and asking God, what are you saying in this situation? David went and asked God. That's walking by faith and not by our sight or emotions. If he'd walked by sight, and looked and heard what the 600 were saying and went and based his decisions on that, he was in a bad place. But he chose to go to the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when you hear what God says, it can build faith in you to keep going even in your despair and confusion. And he walked by faith because he heard from God. Maybe today you're watching this and you don't read the Bible. Maybe you don't believe the Bible. Maybe you've never read the Bible. Maybe you're not interested in the Bible. Let me encourage you. Let me challenge you to go with an open heart, an open mind to God's Word, to the Bible, and ask God to speak to you and let God's Word come into your life because one word from God can change your situation. He heard God speak, and God can speak through many things, people, nature, circumstances, but still God speaks through His Word. His Word is still a lamp to our feet and a light for a path. And we need to go with what God says. So often we live in presumption, which is I'll do what I want and ask God to bless it. But living by faith means hearing what God says, then us doing what God says, and God honors his word. Don't mix up the presumption and the faith. David, when he was a place of rejection, ran to the arms of God, and you can too. When he was in despair and confusion, he went to the Word of God, and what word from God changed everything. And then we came to a place where he was in celebration. He was, he was in success and victory. 
the long story short that we read was that David recovered everything that had been taken from him. And listen, God even used somebody who was not even in church, somebody who was actually part of the problem to bring the solution and the next step for David. Though they did punish him by giving him a fig cake and two clusters of raisins to eat. Just joking, that just sounds like punishment to me. But when you're hungry, you will eat anything, I'm sure. David could have killed him in his anger and his frustration and reaction when he came across this man who was part of the problem and the destruction in David's life. But David chose to keep himself right and do the right thing. And God honored him. He reacted well and it caused well-being to come into his life. He reacted the right way. There's been times when I've acted and reacted wrongly in disappointment when others have hurt me or done things wrong in my life. But I want to encourage you today, if you've been wronged and you've been hurt, you keep yourself right because God can turn what was a problem into your progress and into your future like he did for David here. And David recovered all. He was in a place of rejection when we met him and through a place of despair and he had lost everything. But because he reacted well, because he kept himself right, because he didn't react fleshly or emotionally or irrationally, but he ran to God and he listened to God and he acted on what God said. He came to a place of celebration and success. But even in that, he still reacted well. No, there was 400 of his followers who basically were saying, listen, we done all the work. We deserve everything we get, every success, every blessing, everything that we have earned is for us. And those other guys who are too exhausted don't deserve anything. It's all about us and what we have done. But you know, in his rejection, David ran into the arms of God and his despair, his confusion, his dejection. He went to the word of God, but in his celebration and in his success, he reflected the heart of God. David says, no, the blessings that we've received are not just for us, but they're for others in our world as well. He could have said, you know, Jesus, or we could say Jesus won the victory for us at Calvary. Everything that we have was because of Jesus' victory. What if Jesus had just said, no, it's all just for me, and I've won the victory, but we only receive the blessings, the fruitfulness, the celebratory stuff in our life because Jesus shared the spoils of his victory with us and blessed us with every blessing that he won for us. And David says, hey, it's God who's given us everything we've got, and it's not to keep it for ourselves. It's to be shared with those who are struggling, who are too exhausted, but God has blessed us so that we can bless others. That is well-being. That's a well-being reaction. And today, as I close in the Sean and Gary come back to lead us in a song. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Because I know there are some people watching and you've received rejection 
and the pain is still real and still raw. And today I'm going to pray that you run into the arms of God and you'll find acceptance and love, a love that will never fail you or let you go. There's others you're in despair and you're in confusion, but I'm going to pray that one word from God can change everything in your life. But I know there are others. You're a place of success. You're a place of celebration. You're a place of blessing. And I want to challenge you today that the blessing that you've received is not for you alone, but it's so that you can share it with those who may be too exhausted in life, those who are struggling in life. And I know there's something particularly God is challenging to share the blessing that you've just received. It's not just for you, but you have to go and share it with someone else who you know has been struggling and God is challenging you right now. But there are others, I'm sure, but there's one in particular. But God's saying, that blessing you've just received, that I've given you, is not just for you. You have to go and share it with someone else. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for the well-being that you bring in, for the health that you bring into our life in every area of our life. And Father, our reactions have an effect on our or emotional, or, or mental, or spiritual well-being when things happen. I pray, Lord, that we will react well when these things happen in our life. But today, for those from the place of rejection, Father, I pray right now that they will find your love and your embrace as they run into your arms, as they find acceptance in a way beyond they've ever experienced before in life. Lord, you'll heal the hurt and the pain of their rejection and you'll cause them to fly again. Father, for those who are in despair, they're in a place of dejection, a place of confusion because they don't know why all this has happened in their life. Lord, I pray that they will run to the Word of God and I pray that one word from you will change everything because there's power in the living Word of God to change every situation. And I pray we'll not react out of our emotions or out of how we think of vengeance, but we will just run to your word and your word will come alive in us and it will change our circumstances and more importantly, will change us in our circumstances. And Father, for those of us who are in celebration, those who have recovered everything, we're in a place of of thriving, we're a place of fruitfulness, we're a place of celebration. I pray that we will reflect in our reactions the heart of God and not keep it all to ourselves, but reflect your heart by sharing your blessings and your fruitfulness in our lives with those who are exhausted and struggling and can't for themselves achieve because all we have is from you and we want to reflect your heart by sharing and giving to others. In Jesus' name, amen.